This is the Gambling Gauchos. Here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the Moneyline Matadors, the Casino Cowboys, the Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. With the Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. We're in the Cardinals Sports Center studio. You need to gear up for anything sports related or Texas Tech related or high school sports related here in Lubbock, Texas, you can at Cardinal Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com or live and in person on 68th-ish and slide. Kyle, you doing all right, man? Never better. <laughs> Is that true? Big Hen in the house. Love you, Big Hen. Is we in here, boys. I'm a little bit, a little bit mad at Big Hen that I wasn't invited to the uh, the cookout. looked looked pretty dang good, but that's all right. Oh, that's true. Nathan says, "Smash that like button to cheer up Kyle." Can you get Vikings yeah. gear at Cardinal Sports? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe. I wish they did. It'd be on sale tomorrow. Yeah. Those AFC Championship shirts for uh, the Vikings are already sent off to Zimbabwe. <laughs> Big Hen is hilarious, dude. I love Big Hen. <laughs> City boy's not invited, I guess. It's a country boy cookout. Uh, they could sell uh, Kurt Cousins chains. Yeah, RIP. That's over with, huh? Do we need to say anything else about the Vikings, or can we move on? I, I Look. And I'm not going to make any jokes because the Dallas Cowboys still play tomorrow. <laughs> and anything that I say can and you, will be used against me tomorrow uh, when the Dallas Cowboys play the Tampa Bay Brady's. I mean, I told you before we started recording, like I've been doing this long enough with the Vikings. It, yeah. You know, uh, of course, I wanted them to win, but it takes some of the sting away when you know exactly what's coming. And since I'm adopting the Cowboys as my lifelong third favorite team, uh, I'm pulling for him tomorrow, and I picked him on Friday fades. So I'm, I'm riding with y'all. Get it, get in here, Ryan. We just we're waiting for you. <laughs> I just accidentally put it uh, earlier when I was setting up because it's the first time we did YouTube. We're really just stalling until uh, Mainville gets in because he's the one that knows anything. All them chains put that club into poverty. You hate to see it. Do you? Hey. I've got a. Can I rant a little bit about the Vikings? I would love for you to get it out. Man. We won. We won 13 games this year. That's awesome. Won the division. I feel like every single NFL coach who's like the hot shot offensive mind, they just flame out quicker and quicker. Like the shelf life on that type of coach, yeah, is just. Now there are a couple of exceptions, but I, I could totally see Kevin O'Connell 
winning 13 games year one and then like by year three just being an absolute bum because they get cued on third and one the defense sucks and it's just not a sustainable way to play football so it was a fun season but it's like it i don't know i almost don't even have that much hope for uh for kevin o'connell and and this regime but ryan says what's it like supporting Kirk cousins uh it's fun on uh it's fun in the regular season during noon kickoffs at home you know that's the that's the winning formula the winning recipe with kirk thuggins Uh, as a commanders fan you will never win anything meaningful with cousins we want a playoff game with cousins Have the Commanders won a playoff game in my lifetime? Am I blanking? Or uh, Yeah, RG3 won a playoff game. I remember he got there. Did he win one? Maybe he just won the division and then lost. Yeah, I can't remember. But, yeah, point taken. He was there a long time and had good stats and went 8-8 eight and eight a lot. So, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Uh, Nathan says, what you sipping on, Rob? This is not an ad, and I would never buy this again. It's BioSteel, Patrick Mahomes drink. Not great. It's not great. No offense to Patrick. I'm sure he uh, does his best. I mean, it's not like he he drinks it, probably. It's just, yeah. They were on sale. And I understand why they were on sale. <laughs> All right. Money, All right. Money's here. Now we can start the show. There he is. Oh, this is awkward. I'm going to go back to this. Yeah, that's better. What's up, boys? What's up? How are we? Oh, we are here. We're, we're so great, man. Just unbelievably blessed and highly favored. Just love it here, man. Hashtag blessed. So Props great. to you for being here, Kyle. Mad respect. Yeah, Rob said he was surprised I was still wearing the Vikings gear, but I'm like, you know, what else would I do? You just gotta, you gotta wear it literally and figuratively. Like, what am I supposed to do? Hide the fact that I'm a Vikings fan an hour after they drop the ball on that? <laughs> like, nobody here knows that. <laughs> but we know. Uh, 2006 was the last time Washington won a playoff. And the goat has arrived. This is a big hand. <laughs> Salute. <laughs> Okay, we want to talk about UT's Super Bowl win yesterday and then move on. Yeah. How do you, where, where, I mean, where do you want to start? You just want to start with the game? Let's start with AMAC because that is, seems like the most obvious storyline and then we can get into the other stuff. Um, I'll go ahead and hand up. I thought he was going to play four, maybe eight minutes in his debut and was worried that the rust would be noticeable. And I guess it was at times. I mean, like, he's not the most fleet of foot guy to begin with, and you, you could tell he probably wasn't as comfortable as he will be eventually. But he got a lot of minutes, maybe more than they planned because of Bacho's foul trouble. And he overall played pretty good. I mean, he was productive. Um, they ran – I want to talk about this more later, especially with Mainville, but they ran some lineups with him and Bacho out there and O'Banner, I guess kind of playing the three. So that was intriguing. Um you know, yeah, a, l- a little bit of rust, but he looked better than I thought he would in game one, and he played a lot more minutes than I thought he would in game one. So it, it's encouraging. I kind of wonder if it's too late still. 
Um, but I, I was not expecting – I was very vocal to not expect much from him this season and to take whatever contribution he gave you as sort of a pleasant surprise. And that's that's where I'm at. I was not expecting that, and I am pleasantly surprised and, and hopeful for him moving forward. Yeah, people were asking me on the, the Rob Bro show, KKM, uh, one to two weekdays, if he was going to play at all. And I was like, no, he's not going to play. He started practicing Thursday. He, he might be in uniform, but he's not going to play. It's dumb to think he might play. And then he plays like 20, 30 minutes and looks fine. And he's one of those big guys who looks like he's going in slow motion and then has a spin move to leave people in the dust and just gets wide open layups because he knows how to use his body. So also intrigued, also a hand up. I didn't think he'd play, and I didn't think he'd play well, and he did both. So good. And he did make the team better, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I think especially on the offensive end, he gave you a little bit of juice that you had been looking for this season, just kind of in terms of spacing and getting the ball inside. It didn't really feel like you had seen what you saw in that UT game. Um, And so I was very surprised. I I thought that he was going to play maybe – five minutes, eight minutes. Um, and with those minutes playing them in burst of like two minutes and just kind of getting on the floor wherever he needed to. But instead he was playing like seven minutes of game time at a time. I think he ended up playing 29 minutes in that game, which is pretty absurd. Um, that's way more than all the other guys on the bench combined. And so he gave you a lot of depth that you needed. I think my one thing with him right now, or I guess I'll have two, neither of these will probably make me very many friends, but I think number one, the defense is a problem. Um, He's very clearly out of shape and that's understandable. I mean, the guys practiced twice since November, not trying to be hypercritical about that. It's just the reality of the situation right now. He's out of shape um, and and the defense is really, really, really concerning. Um, right now i think in that texas game it wasn't as big of an issue um because i don't think a lot of people knew that he was going to play um but now it's on tape and so when baylor turns on this texas tech texas game they're gonna see number 11 really struggling out on the perimeter really struggling to defend guards and baylor's kind of the perfect storm to just really take advantage of that and to really force him out on the perimeter, get him into foul trouble, let guys beat him from the perimeter. And so I think that's something that I'm definitely watching. And then I think my other question with AMAC is, is it enough? Is what he gives you on offense enough? And I will say he looked like a much better player than I would have expected last night. Like I, I will say that firsthand. He He really surprised me in terms of, just scoring, even shooting the basketball. I know he was one of three from deep, but I thought the one that he made was was good, and he looked confident from behind there. thought he made a couple of passes that were really good. Um, and so if he can kind of continue to lean into that, I think you've got something that will be helpful. But I think, I think it's just, is it enough? Is it enough to have a guy that can just score around the basket, make a couple of good passes? And I don't know. I, I think that's still to be determined. I think you're a better team with him out there. I just don't know if you're a good or great team with him out there. I, on the defense, it looked like he was pretty comfortable playing that uh, zone that they went into a few times. Um, he looked like he was 
communicating well with his teammates. There was a few times on offense where he threw passes where guys thought he would shoot or otherwise kind of that's chemistry stuff. They hadn't played together. He practiced once. Um, other than that, I, you start looking at matchups. Like, when does he really help you? Um, I, you could bully Kansas State if Bacho and AMAC have good games. Because they're a team that doesn't have a lot of presence. I mean, they got bullied this weekend. Uh, because they didn't have anybody down low. So there are some spots, there are some matchups that you might be able to exploit. But again, West Virginia, you got to sweep them. You got to beat Oklahoma when you play them again. Uh, There's some opportunities to split, I think, other teams you've played against. So it's not too late, but good to see AMAC back and playing well. And I'm really curious to see what Baylor does defensively against him because for years, Baylor has kind of been anchored down low by a big man. That's kind of the identity of the program that we've come to know is elite guard play that's kind of complemented by a big man down low. They don't really have that this year. Um, they're, they're really searching for something down low. The West Virginia transfer Jalen Bridges has been good, but even he isn't really a true big man. Flo Thamba can't seem to really stay on the court for long periods of time, getting into a ton of foul trouble this year. And so I'm intrigued to see what they do on the defensive end because I think that they've got a really good answer for him when Baylor's on offense, but I don't know what they do defensively. And so th- this game on Tuesday is going to be really, really intriguing from a schematic standpoint point and it's just an absolute must win which is really how i feel about every game that's left on your schedule you've got to come into all these games uh doing whatever it takes to try and win them i have a prop bet for tuesday's matchup with baylor and i'm taking the over on whatever number you want to set of times that flo thamba flops while the screen is being set on him and actually gets away with it because the refs will call it. But he does that all the time, and it's infuriating that he can just fall down when somebody sets a screen against him, like 30 feet from the bucket, and he gets that call. Uh, Anyway, so file that away because it'll happen and it'll piss me off on Tuesday night. But I think think we said this, but just kind of to clarify again, analyzing AMAC's performance has to be done through the lens of he practiced for literally two days and his first – timeout there was 29 minutes on the road against a top 10 team and so i don't know you you just wonder how much better could he look two months from now and and will it matter um but yeah i think any gripe about amax performance you have to be like okay well like let's remember the set of circumstances he was kind of thrust into on saturday night And, and you also wonder you know i think he got a lot of minutes because of bacha's foul trouble but are they going to tighten up the rotation where like pretty much only seven guys get meaningful minutes? Um, he and Washington off the bench and then the starting five you've had all season. Because that was kind of how they rolled on Saturday. And I wonder if they've not given up on some of those guys they brought in, but if they're just kind of to the point of saying like, hey, we're at the point in the season and our record is such that like we can't be developing guys that aren't ready to play 12 minutes a game and, and be solid contributors. And so – I wonder if there's a lot of nights in the near future of five or six guys all playing 30 plus minutes. And like, you know, that's kind of just the way it's going to be the rest of this season. Cause it doesn't seem like guys like Kerwin Walton, Elijah Fisher, 
Demorian Williams, others have like really carved out a significant role for themselves at this point. And it, it's hard to, hard to see them, I don't know, carving out a new role at this juncture in the season, especially with AMAC coming back and apparently being capable of giving you minutes right off the bat. Yeah, I think you're looking at, at seven deep right now with one of the big men, whether that be AMAC or Bacho coming off the bench and then Lamar Washington giving you eight spot minutes a game. But right now, the reality is it, if Demarion Williams and Kerwin Walton aren't making shots, they aren't playing. That's why they're on the team. Uh, Elijah Fisher clearly uh, isn't where he needs to be. At least that's my assumption because he continues to not play. And so I've just kind of got to assume that there's something that the staff sees in practice that's holding him back from playing in games. Robert Jennings is kind of a guy that I think will get thrown in when the team needs a, a boost or some energy. And then other than that, I mean, that that's your roster. You've got six guys right now that have played more than 100 minutes. Lamar Washington is sixth on the team in minutes and 105 and if you go down to seventh so just one guy that's played fewer minutes than him it's robert jennings who's played 44 and so there's some disparity in this rotation it's not a deep team they're going to be playing six maybe seven guys a night i see a comment in the in the stream on youtube that bacho is regressing i think it's a little early to say that because i think he's probably still getting over that illness and getting his conditioning back and everything I mean, the point is well taken. Like, he did not look good on Saturday. He didn't look good against Iowa State. But I wonder if he's still just kind of climbing back up to uh, health status that, that he was at earlier in the season. And, I mean, it would be kind of bizarre for him to just fall off a cliff like that production-wise and efficiency-wise midseason. So I hope it's just the case that he needs a couple more games or whatever to get back to where he was. But I I guess I wouldn't go as far as to say that he's progressing at this point. I think it could still just be lingering illness. Well, he had a flu and lost 15 pounds in two weeks and then, like, broke his finger in half. I think he's fine. Um, and he never got into a rhythm against Texas. He's just zero rhythm. He had fouls early. He had fouls in the middle. And then he had fouls late. Uh, I think he fouled out with nine minutes left, ten minutes left. I mean – Adams had to put him back in there 14 minutes left in the game with four fouls. Uh, And I thought a lot of those fouls were, like, not good. Uh, Going back to another comment from earlier, can we talk about O'Banner just giving up? Um, Does O'Banner give up, or is he just not um, expressive? I can't tell. I can't tell if O'Banner is just that way emotionally or if he does have a little bit of give up in him. I, I I really can't tell because sometimes when he closes games, he closes games and is an animal under the basket. And then if he's not getting it, he just doesn't go for it. I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't understand. I don't understand Kevin O'Banner. I really don't. Yeah, and it kind of feels like the story for the past two years has kind of been waiting for him to become something that I just don't know if he's ever going to become. I think last year there was a lot of inconsistency, a lot of shooting slumps, and, and, and that's understandable. It happens. I still think he had a good season last year, uh, but I'm just at a loss. Uh, for what I've seen this season for him being the most experienced player on your team and and one of the more experienced players in the conference for him to be, you know, he's 20 of 50 right now from the floor in big 12 play. 
he, he's got two assists to 21 turnovers, which is partially bad bad decision making. I think part of it is scheme too. I, I, I don't really know why they continue to put the ball in his hands and trust him to do something smart with it. But I, I think for a guy that's that had as much buzz in the offseason as him and for him to be really the leader of this team i mean it's just it's it's head scratching he's four of 20 right now from deep and and that was kind of the thing that you thought he would bring to this team no matter what when you brought him in last offseason and so i'm just kind of at a loss for words um with with o'banner at this point yeah it, it is very disappointing and especially with the way he finished last season. I mean, we know about the double-doubles in the NCAA tournament. I don't think he's ever played an NCAA tournament game where he didn't notch a double-double. But specifically the three-point shooting. At one point last season, I think about a month from the end of the season, so like early February or something, I put a tweet out there. I was like, I'm just going to manifest that O'Banner hits 40% from three the rest of the way out. Because he was at like 29% or something at that juncture. And he was – I think he was one made three away from being at exactly 40%. It was like 39.6. And so I was like, okay, he got a shot back the last month of last season, had those double-doubles and three huge games in the tournament. Like he's going to be your number one guy this season, and he's just been far from it. And, you know, I guess I can respect – like he still did pull down 10 boards last night, and so that's, I guess, the silver lining. But especially those two missed free throws, you know, being an 87% free throw shooter and missing those two in that spot, even just getting one would have been pretty huge. And then getting both like he normally hits would have maybe altered the trajectory of the entire game. So yeah, he's, he's been undoubtedly a disappointment. Maybe he can turn it around like he kind of did last season, but it seems like he has sort of a deeper hole to dig out of this time around than he did last season. And I think a thing that's concerning about that too is you kind of a a common thing that I've heard throughout this season is, hey, it's just a young team. Like they're just young, they're growing up. And man, it, it's getting harder to not say that the two most experienced players on this team have been the most disappointing. And, and that being Davion Harmon and, and Kevin O'Banner. You're, you're just not getting enough from them right now, especially in conference play. Neither of them are really playing up to par with what I thought. And so, you know, whatever conversation we want to have about Texas Tech turning around, whatever that even looks like, it, it's got to start with those two guys playing better. And, and I'm telling you, if they don't start playing better, this, this team is going nowhere. I mean, you just need more from them. You need a lot more from them. Yeah, I think the young basketball team is a great talking point, but it's O'Banner and Harmon, and those guys aren't young. Uh, but they are playing together for the first time, and it, maybe that's a problem too. It's not young, it's inexperienced. Uh, inexperienced playing together, inexperienced, especially with AMAC coming back. This team we're going to have in the next couple of weeks is going to be inexperienced playing together. The chemistry is going to be an issue. But... The guys you expected to be good have not been good, and that's Harmon and that's O'Banner. Now, we talk about these games where he goes um, double-doubles in the tournament. What is he doing? He's camping out into the basket and getting rebounds and putbacks. That's his game. That's what he's great at. He just doesn't do that for five or six games and then does it and looks dominant and then doesn't do it for five or six games and then does it and looks dominant and then he'll do it every tournament game. If you have Amac and O'Banner and Bacho all on the floor at the same time, O'Banner is going to be sitting the corner guy. Um, 
can he do what he did at Oral Roberts if he's sitting the corner guy? Um, because he's not going to be camping out under the basket with those two on the floor. Right. Yeah, that, that, and that's why that lineup is so intriguing, um, especially against a team like Texas that doesn't really use any true like traditional big men to put those three guys out on the floor at the same time. I thought might have given you an advantage. Obviously not quite enough. But I wonder if you do try to do that against some other squads in Big 12 playing to say we're going to be the bigger team and play a certain style and let the chips fall where they may. Like you may be faster, you may have better shooters on the floor, but we're going to counter with this. Um, you all ever had a moment when you're watching a basketball game where you, you think to yourself, like, man, I know ball. Yeah. It happened for me last night. I was like, man, Jalen Tyson is a good rebounding guard, which is like understatement of the century when I pulled up the box score and found out he pulled down 14 boards. I didn't realize he was that good at it. But th- th- these young guys do give me hope. I think even only in nine minutes, I saw like a couple good things from Lamar Washington Pop is, of course, just insane. Uh, the only thing that kind of worries me about Pop is the discrepancy. He's somehow better from like 30 feet out than he is in the paint, <laughs> which I think will probably correct itself over time. Um, you know, in today's world, you can't take for granted any of this. Like, oh, all these guys will be back next year because with Portal and NIL, I mean, you just don't know. But if you could keep this young core together, Jalen Tyson, especially last night, the rebounds really pop off the box score, but what the box score doesn't tell you is how impressive some of his his buckets were. Like, those were not easy layups. They weren't open threes. He's pulling up off the dribble and, like, making contested mid-range jumpers. And so th- that was encouraging. And we sort of went through this earlier in the season with him, and Mark Adams even alluded to it. He said, like, he needs to be more confident. He needs to take more shots. And he kind of looked that way for a couple games, and then it sort of fell off again. But, uh, you know, I just don't know – I don't know how you get a player to maintain that confidence and, and play with that confidence night in and night out. It seems like the, the potential is certainly there. And so I hope they find a way to unlock that for him night in and night out and we see that version of Jalen Tyson down the stretch here in Big 12 play. Yeah, y'all might have already been recording, so I don't know if you saw it, but that comment about Pop Isaacs made me think of something that I was that I just saw as I was kind of sorting through stats as I was preparing to record. Uh, this season in Big 12 play, Pop is 7 of 22 on two-point attempts, which is 32%, and he's 15 of 30. Is definitely better from deep, and he is using uh, the perimeter a lot more than he is going inside, and so that's definitely a definitely a provable uh, opinion. And then I think with with JT, this is now your leading rebounder in conference play. He, he's got more rebounds than anyone else. Uh, he's got seven more boards than Kevin O'Banner in nine less minutes, and just one of the only guys with with thirty rebounds are him and Ko, and so. Pretty insane uh, for him. I think last night had a little bit of added juice for him. I think that he uh, was slighted by that Texas staff. I'm going to be completely honest. I think they looked at him as a project guy, and I think that while he's rusty, um, he showed last night that he is a Division One basketball player. And I think last night I, I just got a, a little bit of a glimpse of a player that I saw um, – playing high school basketball in Plano a couple of years back, a guy that can score at all three levels, a guy that can put the ball on the floor and make pull-up jumpers, a guy that can get to the basket. Just really impressed with his effort. And, you know, I, the kind of the story of this team is every every night you're going to need a different guy to step up. doesn't look like you have a clear leader right now. 
last night. I think that was JT, and it's unfortunate that it wasn't enough to win you the game. But I think if he can bring at least some semblance of that aggression night in and night out, you've got something very, very good on your hands. Confidence is a mysterious thing. And if this team gets confidence, you can absolutely go on a roll. And looking looking around the rest of the Big 12 this weekend gave me even more confidence. And I know that Kansas game was in Lawrence, but Iowa State played them just like you did. Um, then you had Kansas State get absolutely housed by TCU in the building where you were up by 12 and lost. So you start looking around and saying, you know, yes, you're 0-4, 0-5, whatever it is now. You have had some close ones, and I know you can't count those as wins, but you are playing competitive basketball, and 15-1 and teams that are ranked in the top 15 are getting blown out by 20. It's just the Big 12. And if you cannot lose confidence and see a damn ball go through a hoop at the end of a game for a win, maybe you can stack a few. Um, one, one question from the chat line. We'll do it after your uh, comment here, Kyle. Well, I've got a sort of a prop bet for you all. Okay. Which one do you think – which scenario do you think is more likely that this team earns an at-large NCAA tournament bid or this team wins the Big 12 tournament and gets their ticket to the dance that way? Uh, an at-large. Yeah, I'd agree, but I, I don't feel good about saying that. No. I'm not sure either because, like, on one hand, I I just don't know. Like, in the Big 12 tournament, sometimes teams don't have much to play for. Like, they know they're going to be a one seed no matter what. You know, and you only have to win three or four games. Just get hot one weekend and you're there. But on the other, you know, playing top 30, top 35, Ken Palm, net BPI teams night in and night out, can you – can you claw your way to, I think, at least eight wins is what you would need and then maybe a win over LSU and some wins in that big cult tournament. So I don't know which one's more likely. But if you're the kind of team that it just doesn't click until late February, and like let's say you start three and ten and then you finish uh, four and one or something like that, then I'd be like, hey, we might have a shot in this big 12 tournament to just go on a roll here against some maybe less motivated teams. So I don't know. I, I think either one is probably far-fetched, but it got me to thinking if we, if we do, if the lights just do come on a little bit too late in the regular season, maybe you could still throw a Hail Mary there at the last weekend of the season. I think the thing that scares me about the tournament is you're going to be six or seven deep. And so the the question is, can you play three or four days in a row with the same six guys playing 37 minutes? I mean, that that's a lot to ask from a team. And I mean, if I think you'll have a pretty good idea going into that week, if you're going to make the tournament or not. And so yeah, we'll see if they buckle down and if they can play. But I think last year, what we saw with a deep run in the big 12 tournament was because that Texas tech team was so deep and they could really rotate bodies in and out and not really skip a beat. You, you just don't have that this year. You're going to have to play six guys, 35 plus minutes and so it becomes a conditioning thing it becomes you know rest and recovery and how this team can just survive that that brutal stretch of a tournament if they stay in so how many big 12 wins does it take to get in the tournament that was a question that was asked uh, earlier 
I think eight is the absolute minimum. And I think even that leaves you vulnerable to either the committee, you know, you leave it in their hands. I don't think that's a sure thing. And it leaves you subject to the result versus LSU and maybe even a result or two in the big 12 tournament. I think nine and nine, if you go to 500 in this league, that should pretty much certainly do it. Eight and 10 is close, but, and this goes back to, I don't, I don't want to beat the dead horse. When you have a non-con like you do, you're not doing yourself any favors if you are on the bubble. Had you won two or three quad one, even three or four quad two type games going into December, then maybe it's a different story. But you you did yourself no favors the first two months of the season, and so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't feel good about eight and ten. But I think that's the absolute minimum you would need. The chat uh, answering as well. Have to get uh, the first win to start a run at large. Tourney best chance at large. Uh, if you could host the Big 12 tournament anywhere but Kansas City, maybe the tournament. Um, Dallas uh, getting some some love there for a, a Big 12 tournament, but I don't think that's going to happen either. Root's got a good comment on, you know, it depends on who those eight wins are against too. And, and I think that's absolutely true. I think you've got to steal the Kansas game in Lawrence somehow. Um, which is asking an awful lot, but I think I think you really need one of those big time quality wins. I think you've got to beat Texas at home. I think that's an absolute non negotiable at this point, and you've got to beat TCU at home. Uh, the the rest of it is just the Big Twelve cannibalizing itself, trying to survive. But yeah, I I think nine conference wins is where I'm at right now, and I I, I don't think you get there. Uh, so I, I think you're kind of scrambling at this point. Got to win every game that's in front of you. And you talk about the non-conference schedule, man. You, you look at Baylor, and it's been a rough season for Baylor, kind of up and down, probably not where they wanted to be. They're 12-5. and five. Texas Tech is 10-7. and seven. Um, But you look at it, and Baylor's got a 96% chance to make the tournament, and Texas Tech has a 12% chance to make the tournament. Why is that? Well, Baylor played UCLA this at early in the season, got a win there, beat Gonzaga. And then even teams like like Washington State, it, getting a win over them, a top 50 team, like that's just what I want to see more of. I, I just I, – I know that your team was inexperienced coming into this season. I know that you were trying to gel a little bit, but – even just to have a win like a Washington State on your schedule right now would go such a long way because you, I mean, you're you're zero and seven now in Q one and Q two games, zero and seven. You've really got nothing to your name. Your best win is still Louisiana Tech, and it's January fifteenth. Co- couple of comments here. If we don't get the W in Lawrence, is it going to be impossible to make the tournament? No, uh, but it would help. <laughs> Certainly help. Uh, if the wins are OU West Virginia twice, Baylor twice, that's five over the three of the worst times in the conference. Uh, need to beat some of the top shelf teams as well. Yes. I think here's where the, the formula starts. You have seven home games remaining, right? If you win six of those, you give yourself a chance. Now, Big 12 road wins are not easy. LSU on the road is not easy. But if you win six out of seven at home, give yourself a small margin for error, like drop one because this is a good conference. If you win six out of seven at home, I think that's where you start. But if you if you go five and two, four and three down stretch at home, I mean, it's just you have no chance. Yeah. 
Yes. You also have, uh, what's that, 13 games left? So, you don't have a big chance, regardless of what you do the, there at home. All right, I think we're uh, done with the Texas Tech basketball. Do you have any other points on that before we move on? I have one more thing. Okay. What is the deal with Tyrese Hunter versus Texas Tech? I, yeah. I would love to – I don't have the time to do this. His career stats in games not played against Texas Tech versus his career stats against Texas Tech. It's just like – I don't know. And you can say, oh, it's a no-middle defense, but he's played it three times right. just against Tech, but then other teams have started to run it too. I'm like – for whatever reason, we're his kryptonite, and of course, it wasn't enough to get you the dub on Saturday. And that's just sort of becoming a. I guess they play. Well, he played three games against Tech last season, and then yep. the fourth, and he's just never had a good game. Nope. I, so maybe he's due. Maybe he's going to drop thirty on us <laughs> when they come to Lubbock, or maybe he just can't figure us out. I don't know what it is. Do you want the Tyrese Hunter career splits against Texas Tech? I've got it. Yes. 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 He in four games he is shooting eight of twenty nine from the field, which is twenty seven point six percent. He's two of thirteen from deep, which is fifteen percent. He has, believe it is, eight assists to sixteen turnovers, eighteen points in four games. Wow, that was the freshman of the year last year, and that's one of the best point guards in the Big Twelve. I, I really do believe that. At least one of the He's most talented. Player. Yeah, he's a good player, just not against us for whatever reason. How bad did it hurt you uh, emotionally when Brock Cunningham hit that three late, Kyle? It's a tough way to lose, for sure. <laughs> um, I wish yeah. I had the the video from the from the tunnel. <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. Was that surely that was his only three points, right? I think yeah. he made one a couple of minutes before that. Did he not? No, he was one for four, one, one for two from three. Yeah, he had three points, two rebounds, one foul. In 13 minutes, he had one rattle out earlier, and I was like, "Oh, that would have sucked." And then he, dr- <laughs> and then he drilled one. You're like, oh. There were like two moments in the game where I knew it was over. The first was when you were up by 10 early in the second half. You play a brilliant defensive possession, and then with one second left, Marcus Carr hits a three right before the shot clock expires. Yeah. And then the very next time down the court, he hits a tough two and cuts it to five. The place is going nuts. I was like, "Okay, they probably just." won the game and then when Cunningham hit that three I was like yeah it's it's over <laughs> the hunter stats cheered up sad skull dude seems truly down <laughs> I'm good I uh, who said that Shelly Shelly no I appreciate the concern Shelly but I'm good I'm used to it <laughs> uh, it's it's uh he doesn't have seasonal depression he has a uh, viking seasonal depression yeah it's, it's be, a lifestyle I'll be sad on Monday I'm sure <laughs> Oh, man. Um, any specific thoughts on the Baylor game coming up? I know we talked about Flo Thamba earlier, which somebody said sounds like Mo Bamba's uh, fake ID name. Um, I, Baylor is not nearly as good as they were last year or the year before, obviously, their national championship season. Have they uh, – two questions. A, have they lost it? And B, was it always Jerome Tang? People are saying. Death, taxes, and Baylor losing assistant coaches who were the brain geniuses behind the entire operation the whole time. Didn't he have a meme of 
Joey McGuire and Jerome Tang shaking hands and saying Baylor assistants that were in charge? If they're if their season continues to trend the way it has, that meme will be, yeah, that'll be ready to go. <laughs> Chat. It's all Tang. Does text, uh, let's stick with Baylor and then we'll get back to the, the VAD comments. Kyle has a venereal disease, apparently. Vikings effective I'm not, I'm not touching that one. I wouldn't either. Not if you're affected. I got some thoughts on Baylor. <laughs> I do too. I'll let Rye Guy go first. So they lost their first three games of Big 12 play. Uh, not not a great showing against Iowa State. I think that was the game where a lot of people turned it on and said, okay, maybe they aren't as good as we initially thought. And then played TCU really close, lost that game by a point. Played Kansas State really close, lost that game by two points in overtime. And then I've turned it around this past week against who I think are – the ninth and eighth worst teams in the Big 12 um, above Texas Tech being Oklahoma State. I'd probably put them at eighth and then West Virginia at ninth. Um, Baylor's got a great offense, really, really good offense. And, and part of that is the way that they've been able to utilize this this wild three-guard lineup where they just – they, they've seemed to really fall in love with this system of offense where they just put a bunch of ball handlers on the floor and hope for the best. And, and it's working this year. You look at their efficiency profile and it's, it's really wild that, uh, you know, they're sitting here at 12 and five, they're 12th in the country in offensive efficiency, 34th in effective field goal percentage, 12th in offensive rebound percentage, 19th in free throw rate. They're a good team. They've got some good numbers across the board. They get high quality shots, get to the line. And so I think with this game, again, I, I, I'm going to keep mentioning that point on Dawes because I, I know that Scott Drew is a very smart college basketball coach and he is going to see that man on the perimeter and he is going to attack it. And Baylor has the weapons to do it. I, I think that this three really strong ball handler lineup that they run with, with Keontae George, Adam Flagler, and LJ Cryer is one of the best three ball handler lineups in the country. And so you've got to find a way to stop them on the perimeter, slow them down. They can shoot the lights out of the ball if they get hot. And so I think it's really about surviving defensively, which is going to be a test. Um, I think last year when you swept Baylor, a lot of that was due to your length on the perimeter, the way that you were able to disrupt their guards. Um, and you just don't have that this year. You've got some point of attack defenders that are strong, um, but definitely not the length that you would have hoped. And I, I was distracted for like the last 30 seconds because somebody's worried about my ceiling. I, I need to put a fresh coat of paint on it. I actually just tore off some wallpaper like a month ago, okay. and I, I've, I've been too lazy to paint it. So I'm, I'm sorry, Buffalo Godzilla. <laughs> next time I will. <laughs> Hopefully by the next episode, I'll have my, my ceiling painted. I thought it was just shadows. Me too. I had like this uh, sports wallpaper growing up as a kid. I'm in my childhood bedroom right now. Um and you can like if you look really closely you can see like the outline of where the soccer ball was where the baseball was and so buffalo godzilla i'm just uh i'm trying to know game all right <laughs> fair enough yeah I, I don't think i have a whole lot to add from what ryan said but baylor will shoot the three at a really high volume i was just coming through all their games against power six competition and 
24 three-point attempts seems like their absolute floor. They've shot 28 in a game. I mean, they will, they're going to try that. And sometimes they shoot 40 or 45% at that volume. And if they do that, I mean, I just, you're not going to have anything for them. And that's kind of been a, an issue with Texas defense is allowing open three pointers. So th- this is a game I could see going really sideways if Baylor is hitting 40 plus percent of those at that volume. Having said that, if they go cold or you start to defend the perimeter a little bit better, you kind of take take away their number one identity on the offensive end of the floor. And they've surrendered a ton of points to a lot of teams, so maybe you could ex- exploit them a little bit there. But I think that's ultimately what it'll come down to. They're going to shoot the three a couple dozen times at least, and it's all a matter of how many of those fall. Did y'all see them lose power this weekend? Just – the stadium lost power the arena and then the cheerleaders were dancing in the dark it's pretty amazing uh who's the best team in the conference what was the game like a couple of years back where the fire alarm went off in the usa and they just made them keep playing and it went off for like 15 minutes while the game was happening was that tcu I think it might have been because it was one of those blowout games i have no idea now mississippi state it was one of those games where it was out of control, but it, yeah, I remember that. Maybe Ruth will know he goes to a bunch of the games. A couple uh, comments in the chat who's, over under four and a half Big 12 wins. Over. Who's the best team in the conference? I'm going chronologically here. Uh, Kansas or Texas? Code number ones. I think it could be Texas. Iowa State. But Texas has the highest ceiling, I think. Yeah, speaking of ceilings. <laughs> over under four and a half Big 12 wins. Would you still take the under there, Kyle? You were at six. I, I said six and a half. I had six and a half before Big 12 play started, and I took the under and was called a pink raider and all this stuff. And now, anyway. <laughs> Who called you a pink um, raider? Do what? The people on Twitter. I don't know. Maybe I just made up that criticism in my own head. I'm sure. Um, four and a half. No, I think you'll. I think you'll win at least five. I'll take the over there. Hammer the under, says Stephen Stephens. <laughs> oh man! Somebody also says you should paint a giant Rahino barbecue logo on your wall, Mainville. That's from Chase. Rahino, if you would love to send me a backdrop, uh, I would more than invite that. Feel free to throw in some frozen meats in there, some of that cream corn, some cornbread. Right, come on now. You're not a cream corn guy, are you? That cream corn is amazing. I love cream corn. If you want something besides cream corn, you can also order ribs, brisket, turkey, jalapeno poppers, burgers, chili, a – what's the peachy pig? And they they threw something else out, a new menu item. I can't remember what it was. It was something kind of like Mexican food, barbecue. Yeah, they do tacos. Yes. New menu items seemingly all the time, so they're always changing it up on us. Fire Alarm was against Lamar last season. I would pull the alarm on anybody who hasn't tried Rahino Barbecue yet. If you haven't, they're in Olton or going all across West Texas in their mobile food truck – Gosh, the comments are so distracting, especially during the loud mood. Uh, follow them on social at Rahino BBQ, Texas Monthly Top 50 Barbecue Joint in the entire state of Texas. You're welcome for the segue. Thank you, Chase. And shout out to Rahino Barbecue for being just outstanding sponsors of the Gambling Gauchos. Just to be the Grammar Gaucho here, it's uh, 
That's not how you spell Segway. That's like the sta- the thing you stand on and push forward and go forward. Did y'all see my completely dyslexic tweet yesterday? Uh, which one? I had to delete it in shame. It, like I did not the catch Carlton it. State one. No, not even that. That one was bad too. That was just an autocorrect. But this one, I just like got the words wrong. I I was trying to say a lesson that this team has learned. Da da da. And it said a team this lesson has learned. And I like literally didn't. People were even responding to like, "What the heck is this?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" Like I thought they were arguing with the point of the tweet. Yeah. And then I, it wasn't until like this afternoon I was like, "Oh, that doesn't make any sense." And so I, it was too late to edit it, even though I pay. 11 bucks a month for Twitter blue so that I can edit tweets. And so I just deleted it in shame. It was so bad. Damn. Yeah. And then you said something about Mar- Marcus care. Yeah. But I caught that one in time. I could edit it. You only have 30 minutes to edit. So you got to be quick. What's frustrating is it just showed me on my feed that tweet every time I reloaded, but it was the old one that said Marcus care. And then I said, there's a new version of this tweet, but every time I refresh my feed, it would just go to your tweet um, it was very frustrating. Yeah. I would love to go down and slap the Twitter idiots who have gone back away from chronological order. Game days on Twitter suck again. They they got really good because you can go to chronological and people you follow and it's just the your friends and the people you want to watch the game with. Now it's like... Six hours ago, somebody's making a joke about something, and it's like, I, that, I don't want to see that right now. And then I'm on the for you instead of the following because Twitter wants to be TikTok. It's horrible. Brutal. That's like literally their differentiator from other social media platforms is that, is that it's a yes. chronological news feed, and they just over and over go away from it. And I'm really they, loving where you have to click the image right now to even see what it is, oh, too. That, that's, that's great. So bad. Click for a surprise. That meme format was old when it happened, and now it's here again. <sighs> okay, let's reset the table here. Chase We're says, all I wonder, a frustrated. Chase says, how many uh, tech fans will be in Wyoming? I mean, we have a group text that was planning that trip like nine months out, so I, I'm hopeful that we'll have a good showing. There's some talk of a bus, and if there's a bus, I'm in. Hey, who was that bus company that slid in our DMs? We need to go find them. Yes. For because we, we made a joke about going to the bowl game in a bus, and they slid in our DMs. They were going to take us all the way to Orlando if we got the Cheez It Bowl, yeah. and so surely they'll go up to Laramie. Y'all ever been awesome. to Wyoming? I've never been to Wyoming. Beautiful place. Went to Yellowstone a couple of years back. Yeah. No, I don't think I've been to Wyoming. You can get a bus off Uber. <laughs> an, an RV with schooners, party bus to Wyoming. This number one fan is going. Poncho Loco is going to uh, Wyoming. Poncho Loco sounds like a guy who needs to be on the bus with us. Yeah, he does. Now that everyone's on their YouTube names instead of their Twitch names, I feel like I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> right? you have to learn. <laughs> you have to learn. You have uh, Laramie is not like Yellowstone, Root says. I trust you, Root. All right, are we done with basketball for now? I've been to uh, no. Des Moines. I've been to Kansas. I think that's as north as I've been. Never been to I went to Minneapolis when Texas Tech was in the Final Four. 
Oh, that's not true. Mount Rushmore for me. I've been to Chicago. Cool story, bro. South Dakota. Do you know where Rushmore you was, Kyle? Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma. Yeah. All the way to LA. All right. So Rob had a good idea. The Big 12 football schedule is allegedly, finally, going to be released this coming week. We're recording here on Sunday night, so sometime in the coming days. We've heard whispers, and there have been even leaks in like the Houston Chronicle about certain games that are going to be on that schedule. So rather than predict what the schedule will look like, let's go around and say what your ideal nine-game conference schedule will be in 2023, whether it's realistic or not, given that there's – Given that what, Kyle? You froze. <laughs> Do what? Given that, you, say your last sentence again. You froze. I don't remember what I said, but we were going to pick our ideal nine-game Big Twelve conference schedules. Yes. With the fourteen current teams that are slated to be in the conference next year. Not your prediction of what will happen because some of that has already been leaked. But just like if you were, if you had unilateral control over Texas Tech's schedule, how would you set it up? Or do you want to do yours first? Sure, I invited you to go first, but I can do that. Oh, well, uh, that was when you were frozen. Okay. So, my dream Big 12 schedule, I assume that you get four conference games at home next season and five on the road because you played seven home games this past season and because your big Power 5 non-conference game, Oregon, is also in Lubbock. So, I think that's how it will shake out. I'm using that as an assumption when building out my schedule. So for your four home games, I have Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, and Kansas State. And then for my five away games, I have all four newcomers, BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, at NRG, not on Houston's campus, and West Virginia and Morgantown. So I don't have you playing Texas, OU, Iowa State, or Kansas next season would be my ideal Big 12 conference slate for Texas Tech, assuming it's a nine-game schedule. It will be a nine-game schedule. And I am the same, but I would love to play Houston and Houston, not at NRG. Um, I I just – I don't want to set the precedent of playing – unless you're playing every time at NRG, is that what you want to do? Yes. You just never want to play at the – you never want to play at the dead, the dead, uh, what is it? The erector set? What is it? T-D-E-C-G-U-F? Yeah, it's some kind of credit union, I think. T-D-E-C-U. Texas Department of Education Credit Union. Is that That's really not what a it thing. is? But no, I don't want to play in their stadium. I want to play at NRG because one, Taj Brooks always goes off at NRG. It's true. And two, it's just a cool experience to play at an NFL stadium and don't give them the dignity of allowing them to share their home field with a far superior university. So you start in Wyoming. Oh, yeah. So a couple clarifications here. UCF, we're playing that game in November. Okay. Cincinnati and BYU, that's in September or early October at the latest. We're not going up north in late November. Same with West Virginia. We're not going to Morgantown for Thanksgiving. Play your cold weather games early, your warm weather games late, 
and I would road trip to see a lot of these, I, 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 especially the newcomers. Now, there's some current Big 12 stadiums I've still not been to, but I want to go to Lavelle Edwards. I want to go to the Bounce House. I want to go to Nippert. Do not care at all about Houston Stadium. But I would go back to NRG and pregame at Bell Station. And I really want to play Oklahoma State next year because I think there'll be a dumpster fire. And I want to take advantage of that, yeah, even up the old-time series again, and play them every year. You, you, you would break a really long streak at this point if you didn't play them. So the teams you're not playing include West Virginia? No, we're going to Morgantown. So who are you not playing? We're not playing Iowa State. I said this earlier, by the way. Iowa State, Kansas, Texas, and OU. I'm a visual guy. Like, I, I'm having a hard time comprehending just the hearing it. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry, Kyle. I, sorry, sorry for getting frustrated, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. That's all I want. So that, that's my dream schedule. We can go on to y'all's now if you want. Ryan, do you have uh, yours or I can do mine? I think I like that. I might switch Iowa State and West Virginia. I just I, – I really like that matchup against the Cyclones. Maybe it's because it's been favorable. But I, I like that matchup a lot. But then other than that – I mean, I, I I would love to play Oklahoma next year, especially after the uh, the Emmett Jones fiasco. But I I don't think that's likely. And then I really want to play Oklahoma State uh, again, as you mentioned, Kyle, because they're going to be a dumpster fire. Also, because some of the smoke that that's been around them, uh, perhaps not wanting to play Texas Tech next season, or at least not being uh, against the idea of not playing Texas Tech next season. At Houston doesn't really intrigue me, at least not in their home stadium. I, I think maybe a game in Dallas would be fun. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's it for me. I, I think I, I don't want to lose that Oklahoma State game, even though it feels like it's one that you're going to lose. And then I think I'm, I'm okay with trading out West Virginia for, for Iowa State. That's just That's just preference, though. So you're like me, you're cool with not playing Texas? I am, yeah. And, you know, if if you could play them in, in Lubbock or, or somewhere other than actually at Texas, I, I think I would be okay with it. But you, you have no reason to, to benefit them by playing them at home uh, and, and driving ticket sales for them, driving in some money for them. So, yeah, I, I don't really see the benefit of it. Yeah, I'm tired of being their Super Bowl. True. I want to play Texas. <clears throat> All right. Uh, splitting some games. Oh, man. I would go at Kansas State to open up Big 12 play, which I, I don't – that would not be a dream to me because you don't play well in Manhattan. But I think just setting the schedule moving forward, if you could go ahead and bite that bullet, you could set up some nice back and forths. And I want to split those, and I would rather do it early than late. Don't like playing in Manhattan late. Um, then home against Texas at BYU, home against Oklahoma State at Cincinnati, home against Iowa State, two road games at Kansas, at Houston, and then you close at home against UCF and make those Orlando boys come to uh, Lubbock in November. Yeah, that'd be nice. And you also set up uh, kind of a late season Orlando trip next year. I would love to go to Orlando in November. 
if I'm coming back, whatever the Big 12 schedule looks like next year, and I'm coming back from Fort Worth, where should I stay when I'm in Lubbock? Uh, you can always stay in a state rig. You go to uh, statrig.com. It's like a local Airbnb. Go to statrig.com. First booking with statrig. You can use the promo code Gauchos for 10% off. All of the statrigs in Lubbock are professionally engineered, professionally decorated, and uh, will welcome you with open arms. All of the hosts are local. And they know what you're looking for. They know what you need. So they're also good concierges there at StayTrig. StayTrig.com. Um, one more thing, because this got me thinking. If you could schedule a non-conference series with a football opponent, who would you pick? Why? Give me some logistics on that. And I can start while you all think, because I've thought through this already if you want me to. Okay. I've got one immediately. I want a three-game series with Matt Rule's Nebraska squad. Yes. One game in Lincoln. Yes. One game in Lubbock. Uh-huh. Game three, we're hosted by Patrick Mahomes at Arrowhead Stadium. Who says no? Nobody. Nobody should say no to that. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. So that's my pick. And you extend it beyond just a traditional home and home because you've got a good neutral site that makes sense for both fan bases. And do it on a weekend where the Chiefs are at Arrowhead the, the next day. So the, the tech fans who travel can go see Mahomes and the Chiefs. I know a lot of them have done that. Like if the game in Lawrence is the day before um, a Chiefs game or Manhattan is the day before a Chiefs game. So let's do it that way. you got plenty of years to sort this out, figure it out. That'd be a fun one. It's good visibility. It's a beatable program, yeah. but also a high-profile enough program where if you beat them, you know you get some attention, some, some acclaim for it. So give me Nebraska on a three-year schedule. Buffalo Godzilla says Oregon. <laughs> Asking you shall receive, Buffalo Godzilla. Uh, Bacon says Miami. Steven Steven says that rules. Um, what's funny is these uh, things you're talking about would have to be scheduled in uh, 2030, right? 2031? Have to. Yeah, have people to. see that, but no, I. You're just already you're already scheduled. The next opening you have for a Power Five opponent, unless you want to play double Power Five opponents, is no. Yeah, yeah, I do. Thirty-two. Go buy out Tarleton State for three hundred k and play Nebraska. Okay, so twenty twenty nine, you could set up. Uh, you could set one up. How hard is this? Look, if Oregon is coming here, you go to Lincoln. So you play two Power Five opponents, one hey. home, one away. And then the next year when you go to Oregon, Nebraska comes to you. We'll get Kirby on the phone and uh, tell him to sack up. How about that? I'll throw some more out there. Yeah, let's go. I really like to to play in the Wolfpack. I think that could be a fun matchup to return to a couple of times over the years. Indiana, maybe, with the recent transfers heading up there. Um, Not really a huge resume booster, but could be intriguing just given the history. And then maybe Mississippi State. Um, I, I think that could be interesting, although I don't know if, if the leech stuff would, would kind of hinder something like that from panning out. But I think those are three programs that I would be more than happy to see on the schedule. Mississippi State's I'm all for already on the completely schedule. They're already on the schedule. Made up and contrived rivalries. And give me the Bobby Knight Bowl against Indiana all day long. The Bobby Knight Bowl. Um, Colorado. 
would be number one for me, especially while Prime's still there. We're talking non-con, though, Rob. That's true. I was going to make the same joke moving forward about Arizona and Arizona State that I would love to play them, but we're going to be playing them in the Big 12 soon anyways. Uh, Brian says, let's get Michigan. Uh, our friends seeing Scarlet says, Virginia Tech in her Sandman night game would be a heck of a game for a road trip. Yes. Uh, Prime's only going to be there one year, so it's now or never. Northwestern, because I have a ton of friends who went there. Oh, yeah. Root has friends. Good job, man. Future Dallas Cowboys coach, Deion Sanders. That would be – oh, man. He, he's, he needs to stay in college for a while. I don't know about that. Uh, so this schedule is allegedly coming out on Tuesday, even though after it said they were coming out on Tuesday, it kind of was some – there was some blowback on if it was or was not coming out on Tuesday. What would be, like – the worst possible outcome for this Big 12 schedule in Texas Tech? Is it, to me, it would be no Oklahoma State, uh, no Oklahoma, no Texas, which I guess I'm fine with those. But then, like, road games with Kansas State, Iowa State, a bunch of locals to set up a really bad second year with everyone else leaving. I can't think of a... A scenario that would be too bad. I mean, I, I would be disappointed to not play Oklahoma State, like we've all said. I kind of don't want – I want the last game against Texas in Lubbock to be the one that we experienced this past season. Now, if you play them again and beat them again, then so much the better. I just wouldn't want to, like, jeopardize that. I also think they would probably refuse to come to Lubbock if they know they're here for one last dance. And – um if that was like the, the rough draft of the schedule, I think Texas would tell you, or Mark, we're not going back to Lubbock. But besides that, I mean, I want another shot at TCU. Kansas State, I think, is primed to sustain success, and so I think that'd be a, a fun matchup. Um, yeah, that, that's about my only – otherwise, I'll, I'll be happy. Like I said, I want to kind of get to know some of these newcomers. I want to play yeah. Oklahoma State, even though the scuttlebutt is that they'll be left off the schedule. And – if you play Texas and OU again, I I would want that to be on the road just because it was so cool that allegedly their last time in Lubbock, they were both overtime wins. That'd be like a cool way to kind of close that chapter against those schools. I was looking up back at my schedule and I really hate it. I, I don't think I had Baylor or TCU on there, which I would rectify quickly. Um, a couple more comments. The battle for Tech, you just have Virginia Tech, Tennessee Tech, Georgia Tech, uh, all on the schedule in the non-con and you get to find out who the real Tech is. Louisiana Tech. Um, time to get the monkey off the back schedule, UNT. <laughs> uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Miami. Miami seems to be a popular one. And then somebody finally said it, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, Florida State. Yeah, and if they're home and homes, go get some of these really cool stadiums. Uh, home and home with Michigan. Home and home with Ohio State. Um home and home with Alabama when Nick Saban retires. Like all of those would be really cool and cool venues because tech fans will travel to those. Are you afraid of Kirby smart and the dogs? Uh, no, I guess that would be a historic uh, venue as well. Go get them. The shrubs. What is get them on the schedule? What do they have bushes? Yeah, they got the shrubs, the, the hedges. hedges. There you go. I couldn't yeah. think of the word. Oh, man. Big Ten says absolutely afraid of them. 
But my old my old high school football coach, Stephen F. He had a funny he had a funny saying. He was like, he goes, "I'll fight anybody." Now I might get my ass kicked, but I'll fight anybody. That's how I feel about Georgia. Like, put them on the schedule; they're going to beat you by forty, but it would still be a cool experience. And again, all of this is ten years out, so doesn't have to be Rob. We could imagine a better <laughs> world what it for is. college football scheduling. Just being honest, man. Oh man, Atlanta Hawks wave uh, former tech guard Jared Culver. Bummer. It's a bummer. Diversified lenders mailbag. Yeah, do we offer? Uh, I don't think we ever said, but you know, people people know. There's always something in there. <laughs> Usually not questions for the podcast, but there's something in there. If you want to join the Discord mailbag and submit questions that way, join us at patreoncom gamblinggauchos. It's five dollars a month, but it gets you access to some premium content, both uh, analysis of TV ratings, as that's become all the rage during conference realignment. We've done interviews with the newly on the court Fardaz Amac, Cody Campbell, Dusty Womble, Matt Mooney, many others. And you get access to the number one Texas Tech fan Discord server, which is, I would say, 92% of the time a lot of fun, unless your favorite NFL team loses and you get piled on and or a game day thread where you know it turns into a meltdown, but that's pretty common on message boards. Anyway, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. It's a lot of fun. And a portion of all proceeds go to the Matador Club, which reminds me, Rob, we need to get the Bull Pick'em winner and the Bull Pick'em Matador Club contributions over to them. Yeah, we do. Uh, Froggy, we've got him. I locked him down. Uh, can they just reset all the schedules? They should. They should. And if you could force – yes? Go ahead. Finish the point. If you could force everyone at one time to just say, all right, all schedules are dead. We're redoing it. Uh, USC, you're in the Big Ten now. Texas, Oklahoma, you're in the – we're expanding the playoff. Every, we kind of get a free reset. Uh, we're getting a new schedules. We're doing new non-conference. Here's the rules for everybody. That would be awesome, but I just don't see that happening. Mario says, I'll sub if Kyle never mentions the Vikes again. Deal. But – the other part of the deal is nobody else in the Discord can mention the Vikings ever again. Is that fair? Deal. I don't. I don't. I don't need to talk about the Vikings. Sweet. Tell Root that. Uh, one of the. Who are you? Are you a little upset with Root for talking trash about the Vikings? No, it's fine. I'm not I upset. Do don't put in the newspaper that I'm upset. The only thing with Root is, I was like, I don't even know who your favorite NFL team is, so I can't respond. And he's like, well, I don't have one. Like, well, that's. <laughs> That's nice for you. I can't say anything about that. Root is an agent of chaos. Uh, One of the Arizona schools in Mexico City, that would actually be awesome. We are just, we're going crazy here. Breaking news, Kyle is upset. Yeah, you got to ban Big Hen for that. That's that's over the line. Is he? He didn't put the, the, the alarm sound emoji. Uh, what was the best year for Texas Tech factoring in basketball, baseball, and football? This is from the Diversified Lenders Mailback. You know, I'm going to get my revenge on the people who refuse to play start bench cut by the rules. And I'm going to add men's track and field in there. Even though the person who asked this question clarified, only the big three. I'm going outside the box here. Because if you add men's track and field, it's 2019 hands down. You played in a Final Four and a national championship in basketball. You went to Omaha in baseball. I think even won a couple games in Omaha that year. 
and your men's track and field team won the national championship. Now you were bad in football, like you were for that entire stretch, but I think those other three carried some serious water for you. Uh. 94-95 was what uh, Red Raider Dugout said. But, yeah, that one spring you had with what you just mentioned, the na- the national championship, the the Omaha, the basketball, that, I mean, I don't care what you did in football, really. So 94-95 was the split Southwest Conference title in football, the Cotton Bowl appearance where you got your teeth kicked in by Keyshawn Johnson and USC – you also won the Southwest Conference in basketball. Okay. But that was – did you go back-to-back in 1996 in basketball? Because wasn't 96 the ham oh, slam witch and all that? Yeah, I guess so. So that would have been 95-96. Okay. If you started like January 1st, 1995. Right. That was the other point of clarification. Is it calendar year or academic year? Yeah. But anyway, that's my two cents on it. Over under five and a half games over the next 13 conference games. Games or wins? Wins. <laughs> We're going to play more than five and a half games. <laughs> uh, that, that's an under for me. Big hint says over. I would say over. I'm still at six. Ultra big hen, despite him kind of being a little bit mean in the in the chat. <laughs> That's all right, though, big hen. I forgive you, buddy. Uh, hey, by the way, update: Mario has uh, committed to the to the uh, Patreon. Okay. So all right, I'll it. never say anything about the Vikings on there ever again. Okay. Uh, question: I love how Chase clarifies that the sentence he's about to say with a question mark in the diversified lenders mailbag is a question. Does Mark Adams keep his job with a 5-13 and 13 conference record while playing them close? Yes. Yeah, unless there's some sort of players meeting secret uprising against him. I, I think it's pretty safe at that point. Yeah. Well, the question is, if he finishes 5-13 and 13 in conference play, does he keep his job? Yeah, but plays them close. I I think I'm going to copy Ryan's answer and say it kind of depends on the players. I think if if most of these guys, Pop Isaacs, Jalen Tyson, Lamar Washington, Elijah Fisher, Robert Jennings, are all coming back, Bacho, then you say, okay, like we have the core together. There's clearly upside. There's talent. We'll give them another year. But if there's this like mass exodus and it appears he's struggling recruiting and struggling to win with the guys he just had on his roster, then I think there could be – a little more serious conversations. Mark Adams will not be fired for basketball-related performance issues. What's your go-to comfort food? This is from Big Hen. He says, mine is meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Well, Rye Guy ponders it. My wife makes a good uh, like sausage, vegetables, and rice dish. I don't know actually oh, what yeah. it's called, but sausage and rice. I mean, yeah, you could call it that. Is it all in the same thing, or is it separate? No, you make the sausage and the vegetables in the crock pot, and then you boil the rice, and then you then you mix it all together. Yeah, oh. I would in say, like a bowl. I would say sausage and rice might be mine, but it's separate. 
I love a good fried chicken. Love a good fried chicken. Boneless or bone in? Bone in. Do you know who that guy is, Rob? No. I don't know why we could do this though. That's fun. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Here's my face. We uh we just do whatever the people request. Yeah. <laughs> Big hint says jambalaya, which it does sound like jambalaya. Um is Wombo holding any cash back lately? No, he never did, and he's not going to. That was a rumor, um, and that did not happen. He's also not involved in NIL, so... says <laughs> thank you. Uh, they haven't invented boneless chicken yet, unfortunately. Uh, Shelly's cooking a grilled cheese right now. That's good. I like grilled cheese. Oh, hey, we're doing the Diversified Lenders Mailbag, and... Uh, the diversified lenders is calling me right now. Should we get him on the pod? Over under, he calls me right after you don't answer. Oh, you over under. How many times Rob asked Kyle how the Vikings home playoff game worked out for them? Zero. I'm done talking about the Vikings. I can't do it. Um, is Kyle now a member of the fans of property programs like I am? Was that from Big Hen? Yeah. No, we're not the same big end. The Cardinals are like a legitimate bottom five in the entire NFL poverty franchise. He's calling me, Rob. (laughs) Uh, The Vikings are not good. Don't get me wrong. They don't have a Super Bowl. But we're the highest winning percentage NFL franchise that doesn't have a Super Bowl win. So we're we're in between poverty program and like actually a good franchise. No, 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 no. Get that off. (laughs) We we want the Rob Megacast. Give us the Rob Megacast. Either the Rob or the Ryan Megacast. We want Ryan guy. Everyone's going to talk about my ceiling. (laughs) Here, I'll do this. Are the the Lady Raiders, do they have a better projection than the men's team? Who will be better in the next three years? Three three years out is so hard in today's landscape. I mean, it's just – Think of where Texas Tech basketball was three years before Chris Beard got Texas Tech to a Final Four. Like, it was completely inconceivable. Now, I do think this season the Lady Raiders are better, and I hope that Bailey Maupin doesn't have, like, a long-term injury because if she's healthy, she's a key piece. Yeah, it's kind of one of those non-contact things. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll see on that. But, yeah, I think they've they've been certainly more – I won't say more competitive because the men's team has lost some close games, but they're actually getting some wins in those competitive games. Jody says we're going to have to buy two more backdrops, aren't we? Just one more, really. We have another one that Kyle has refused to put up. Well, I'm like a nomad right now. So, (laughs) as soon as I settle in, I'll get it set up. But we like uh, headboard Kyle, so – Big Hen says, count me in for 20, but I'm still waiting on that first $30 pledge. So I think yeah. Big Hen. So is he in for 50 in February? His mouth writes checks that uh, his mouth can't cash. That didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rye Guy needs a greener plant. Is this plant struggling down there too? It's it's a little cold here, but I got I got plenty of plants that are oh, doing all right. That a new rule, new rule. We're not apartment shaming Ryan anymore on this podcast. <laughs> okay, enough with this. We're trying to give you all a good video stream. We're not going to subject ourselves to this kind of scrutiny. I'm going to have to go virtual background on the next episode. <laughs> Lean into it, man. Um, let's see. How far will the South End Zone be in 2023? Not. I mean, not far. 
Um, who is D Wayne? I, I, I know. Him. I need to know who I this guy him. is. I have to know. I, I will pay your first month of Patreon <laughs> if you tell me who you are. <laughs> if you want to join the Gambling Gauchos Discord, please let me is. know. What's funny is I I'm not even wearing pants. So. <laughs> hey, I've got I've got five more minutes. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts. I was trying to wrap it up. Okay. Final thoughts. Yeah, um, we can just ignore the chat. <laughs> I think I think our new friend Mario has absolved me of my final thoughts, um, so that I can adhere to the terms of that treaty. So I'm just I'm just focused on Baylor now. That's it. Oh man! Oh, uh, I love my ceiling. That that's my final thought. And if you lose your next two games in hoops, your season's over. So. I've got- I've got one more thought, actually. Sorry. Uh, we need to free free Ty on Twitter. Yeah, Raider Ty. Justice for Ty. Justice for Ty. Uh, where will the band be? I don't know. Keep your pants on, Rob. <laughs> I can't keep them on if I don't have them on. I'm in a towel right now. All right. Uh, anything else? No? I don't have any final thoughts either. We should uh, end this before anything goes crazy. Uh, final thought from Seeing Scarlet: The ceiling of the Texas Tech women's team is in better shape than Ryan ceiling. I just Ron Burgundy that. <laughs> he turned his camera off. <laughs> All right, love All right. y'all. Everybody, go focus on Baylor. Love y'all. All right, love y'all. <laughs>